All right, we ready? I'm so ready. Okay, cool. Cause we're doing the thing. Oh wow! Yep. Turn, turn my phone on silent. Yep. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. Well, it's polite. Okay. So it is time for me, my parents, and Liam Neeson again. Except it's only one parent. It's a different one parent than the last <laughs> couple times. I I'm Dan. I'm Carrie. And Patrick's not here, but we're still here. He's someplace warmer. And since I watched a lot of angry shooting movies <laughs> with him, I decided we we're going to change it and watch what I thought was a kids movie and turns out to be an artsy fartsy movie. That's true. Uh, we watched The Prophet. Now, this one Oh, wow. I did not expect that. I uh, All right, everyone. Yes, we have a landline. You can be sh- as shocked as we are that people keep trying to call us. You're not even going to talk to him on the landline? Oh, I thought you turned this off. Clearly you had not turned it off. Th- that sounds pretty on to me. <gasps> this is riveting content for the podcast people. It's not at all. This is why real podcasts have a recording studio without landline phones in it. <laughs> okay, we're just going to hope it doesn't happen again. If they call us again, we're going to have them talk on the podcast. We're going to ask them their opinion on the movie. It's going to be a robocaller. Yeah, but get a real okay. person on there and say, we'll listen to your spiel if you tell us what you think about this movie. They won't know. They won't know, and then we can hang up on them. This is a rather... This seems like it was a somewhat obscure movie. It was a bit. So you did some research on the book, because this is based off of a book by the same name. Yes, The the Prophet. Written back in the 1920s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's one of the best-selling books of all time. Well, I think it was... Um, Translated into a hundred languages, I think it said, on the um, Wikipedia, because I looked it up too. Um, yes, it uh, uh, published in 1923. It is the best of Gibran's work, uh, the best known. Um, it has been descent. translated into a hundred languages. It was written in English mm-hmm. by a Lebanese-American man. Um it says it's one of the most translated books in history, and it has never been out of print. Mm-hmm. So, um, in Wikipedia, which of course we always say is a you know not a valid source, but it really did help me to understand what's going on with this film because I was pretty confused. It the book is um, twenty six the prose poetry fables on um, various, I think rather deep topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, of life and love and work and play and life and death and, and not necessarily the topic for a children's movie. Yeah. So this one maybe it was a children's movie or maybe it was just animated because it that was the way they wanted to present the story. They kind of had to. You couldn't do this live action. I think that it the way that the um the essays were presented as vignettes, I think to have them presented in a very uh, artistic, uh, we'll use it artsy fartsy. Yeah. In and and they, so then each of those essays could be differently presented. Yeah. And we'll get to that. I still have some bit of general overallness. Oh, one, well, go with that. One, I I kind of want to compare and contrast this to Pilgrim's Progress, which mm-hmm. was another film we've watched that is heavily based off of. A, a book. A philosophical slash religious work mm-hmm. that is, I believe, that one definitely did not deviate from the book and the level of plot that the book had, which mm-hmm. was 
little to no. Well, that's just Pilgrim is going from point A yeah. to point B. Whereas this one, they deviated from the book to create plot. That's true. Was it a good idea? Because I think, well, the synopsis online about the book is that um, uh, the prophet has lived in this town for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And when he's going to leave the town and go back to his own country, he stops and, and, and has these conversations with people in the town. Yeah. So in this movie, they made it into um, he's been a prisoner in this foreign land and and now is being forced to go home to his his home country. Yeah. Or so he believes he's going to go home. Yeah. But even that wasn't really the main plot, as it were, or it wasn't established well enough. It needed right. something more to make it plot. Mm -hmm. We talked about ourselves while watching it, how this probably would have been more successful, or at least the way it was presented could have been more successful as an art installation of individual animated narrated pieces. Mm -hmm. Because the parts that were animated and narrated were really pretty and contained the essence of the source material. It was, I, I, it was, they were beautiful to look at. There was different types of music that went um, behind the narration mm -hmm. of, of the essay or the prose. And, and they were, it, you're right. It was very yeah. pretty to look at. And I think that it's to tie it together with this other plot of the mother daughter and the, you know, and the daughter doesn't speak and the, you know, the goofy, um, quippy grandpa in town man character. All for Pete's sake. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, that, I think sometimes those seemed more of a distraction to the beauty of the prose and the, and the, and the, you know, it was. It looked like watercolor animation, hand watercolored or hand drawn colored pencil, and um, and I really some of those were. I didn't want to leave and and miss parts of those. Mm -hmm. So more production things because I think this one is going to be mostly about the production. Oh, and... we should the zero to Neeson. Oh, I oh I haven't even gotten through who's in this who is in this was, and, he, and made this eleven minutes. Eleven minutes. Mm -hmm. So. Liam Neeson, clearly in this one because we're talking about it. Salma Hayek, who mm -hmm. uh, produced it, was the voice of the mom character. I looked it up because I saw a little bit about it. Her father is from Lebanon. Right, and she produced this And she as produced well. it, mm -hmm. and so that mm -hmm. was that connection. Halim, who is the bumbling mm -hmm. guy, is John Krasinski. No. Nope. Uh, Frank Langella is the uh, old guy the old uh military guy at the end okay we've seen him before and uh he was in the one where unknown i don't remember okay he's the guy at the end who shows up and he's like the head of the bad guys oh dear and it's this guy oh funny yeah so we've seen him before alfred molina <gasps> the voice was familiar he's the sergeant mm-hmm John Rice Davies was uh, Yusef. Okay. Uh, he's Gimli from the Lord of the Rings movies. Sure. So he's done a lot of things. Uh, I apologize to uh, the little lady who played <laughs> the girl mm -hmm. because I'm going not going to pronounce her first name correctly. I Quevenzane? Quevenzane? Oh. Last name Wallace. Mm -hmm. Uh... She was Annie when they remade Annie in 2014. 
Oh, okay. So. So child actress. Yeah, but that's some pretty big names there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it was released in the U.S. by a group called G Kids. They don't necessarily only do kids movies, right. but I looked them up because their Wikipedia says something quite interesting. I uh, what did they call it? I don't know. I didn't look. Uh, a bespoke distribution method to release critically acclaimed, hand-drawn international films, such as the works of renowned Japanese animator Hayao Miyazaki. And oh. I thought, wait, hold on. Yeah. We've looked at one of those. They were. I uh, they re-released Ponyo for its 10-year anniversary okay. in 2018. Okay. Which is another one we've seen. They yeah, were not yeah. part of the original release in 2009, though. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, that w- that I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, each of the animated bits is has its own director, right. but there was an overall director who I uh, name is Roger Allers. Now, you might not recognize his name. I don't. Lion King. Oh, he directed. He directed Lion King, like the the first one. Like the first one. Okay. He wrote that. He was a writer for Lion King, and Aladdin, and Beauty and the Beast. He was on the art department for Tron. He's like, uh, he wrote heavy hitter. Emperor's New Groove. Okay. This is Oliver. Was he Oliver and Company? Uh, this is Dan is reading. It's a long list. He's skimming. I'm skimming for the really really good ones. Uh, animation department for Little Nemo. Way back when. Just keep swimming. Yep. No, not Finding Nemo. Little Nemo. Little Nemo. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Back in the 80s. Uh, miscellaneous crew on Lilo and Stitch. And the reason why I'm especially bringing this one up is mm-hmm. I went through the list of the animation department. Mm-hmm. And IMDb lists 54 people that did animation stuff. Okay. Uh, we've got like 2D animators. We've got hand-drawn stuff. A lot of things going on there. The hand-drawn animation supervisor is a guy by the name of Nick Ranieri. Okay. R-A-N-I-E-R-I. I think mm-hmm. I got close. And the reason why I poked him is, one, hand-drawn animation supervisor. That's an interesting role. Mm-hmm. Second, he was one of the few animators to have a picture. And I thought, oh. ah, that means he's probably done a thing. Sure. He has done some things. Okay, here comes the list, people. All right, we're going to go into the animation department. We're going to start scrolling. We're going to see here. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph. The, you... Win- the Winnie the Pooh movie from 2011. <gasps> Tangled. Princess and the Frog. Bolt. Chicken Little. Treasure Planet. Emperor's New Groove. Fantasia 2000. Hercules. Pocahontas. Aladdin. Beauty and the Beast. Little Mermaid. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> the Body Electric featuring the music of Rush. <laughs> okay. This guy's also a heavy hitter. So there were some really heavy hitters. Yeah. I mean, and I think... The parts of the movie that we were drawn to was it was the it was the visual the 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 settings for the essay vignettes. It was almost mm-hmm. like uh, I think early in the film I said to Dan something about oh if this was a Disney film there'd be a song here, and um, we hadn't gotten to the first of the vignettes. the pull away from the action as it yeah. as it were to one of the essay. Um, you know, philo- philosophical pieces of prose. And then I think it changed the movie for me. It did. Because I really wanted to, I didn't want to miss those parts. I'd walk mm-hmm. away when, you know, the, the little girl They was, were trying to have plot. And the, it, she was interesting. It was an interesting side thing. Mm-hmm. But the problem is it was a side plot to a plot that really wasn't there. Right, right. I, by the way, film 
uh, budget of twelve million, box mm-hmm. office seven hundred thousand. So this is very much a pet project. Mm-hmm. In progress preview at Cannes. Okay. And world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival. Yeah. This was as close to an artsy fartsy project mm-hmm. as I think you can get with an actual film release. Right. Now, plot wise, you said the book's in the public domain now. Well, it just uh, it, uh, in, in January of 2019. So, so we can't really spoil the movie because you can go find the book. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. available now. Right. So, and but the movie really there isn't much to say about it other than it's really good philosophy. It's uh, it's perfectly good philosophy. Mm-hmm. It's not you know. Anything weird like a manifesto of these are my beliefs. It's very simple, mm-hmm. of very applicable core values mm-hmm. that, yeah, maybe not everything's for you, but there's, you're mm-hmm. going to find some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, right. The plot around it is vestigial and mm-hmm. not really what we're here for. Right, right. Well, and I, I, to me, it almost felt like a disconnect. Well, certainly the art style is a disconnect yeah. between the, the plot portion and then the, the vignettes of the prose. Yeah, it did make them feel very ethereal. I would have really yeah, liked... Yeah, dreamlike. I would have mm-hmm. really liked... Because the first time that they do some kind of a weird, not real cutaway is at the very be- the very first time we see him when mm-hmm. he's saying that he's flown away several times. Mm-hmm. That was not in a different art style. And I think that would have been an interest Because mm-hmm. that wasn't actually his prose, I don't think. Probably not. If it was, yeah, if they were taking his prose verbatim, then they pulled it away from the plot line yeah. and made it its own. But the very first thing. time that something unreal happens, mm-hmm. it's not actually prose. It's mm-hmm. what the writers added. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was, that was interesting. Eh. Yeah, yeah. But we're really not going to have too much to say about this. Which no. Is, I mean, if you want to watch it, it's a pretty movie. Yep. Was, was we, it on Netflix? It was on Netflix at time of recording. Mm-hmm. I've said that about other films that have fallen off of Netflix, so I do apologize if yeah. I've told you about other ones. Yeah. Uh, there is another movie that I do think is more of a kid's movie than this one. Mm-hmm. This one, while animated, no. the philosophy was too much for children. I think it's it's deep. It is. Uh, mm-hmm. The arts things, I think people would think is cool. Mm-hmm. I I think this one's going to be it's kind of in the same vein as Miyazaki mm-hmm. because those films they're animated mm-hmm. they're they generally have children in them but despite the fact that they're not full of sex and violence mm-hmm. they are not movies for children right they're deeper they're they have much deeper meaning the first mm-hmm. one of those I think I saw was Spirited Away I feel like I talked about this when we watched Ponyo maybe I didn't but mm-hmm. There's a lot going on in that movie. There's a lot going on in Ponyo. There's a lot going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Sadly, not enough plot to really pull this one together as more than just some very, very well done vignettes. Right, right. Yeah. Which on its own is cool and probably worth doing, but I don't know if it was worth doing as a film. Yeah. Or, yeah, as a feature film. As a feature film. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, this one wasn't that. winning many awards other than... Like, this one won a lot, was nominated for a lot of artistic awards, mm-hmm. which I don't blame them for. Right, right. That's what it was. Yeah, exactly. Well, and of course, you know, the peril scale. 
Now, ordinarily, when you're looking at a series of artistic vignettes, you would expect the peril meter to be low. <laughs> <laughs> we would. We would. However, they artistic libertied mm-hmm. Liam Neeson to death. They did. Literally. In prose. In prose. Uh, so... It's it's we it's not a graphic thing. No, it's really not. It's it's beautiful prose. Mm-hmm. But the there is heavy implication. It it's an implication. Mm-hmm. We don't know for sure. How high how high do we put implication on the scale? Oh, I was gonna go really low just because. Well, because also I think that. Uh, he also handles it very well. We have to remember back to because he says life and death are the same thing. Yep. It's it's. You know, when you when this breath is gone, then you are singing. Something to so. remember back to, which you will for you you will say, "Oh, I don't remember that." Probably because uh, Star Wars Episode One, you okay. don't remember. Go, that, just continue. Is one of the films that I thought was going to be interesting to look at mm-hmm. for the podcast because the amount of peril in that movie is incredibly high, mm-hmm. but he handles it very very well. And this film, the amount of peril is low. Let's be honest. It's only at the end. Right. And mm-hmm. shootings occur. But he also handles it very well. Right. So that right there is making it drop down the scale for me just because of it didn't even feel like peril. I would. I, I thought it felt like zero yeah. peril. I mean, he... Mm. Right. But because of the philosophy that life and death are are one and when you transition from silence to singing that it's it's a philosophical mindset that excludes peril yeah and i think then in to to embrace the the um the philosophy of his writings then is to say that that's that's not peril but you know, we can we can agree to disagree. We're gonna have to add this to the <laughs> list of things that are not peril. As well, stress and also philosophy. <laughs> philosophy is not peril. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I kind of I kind of want to go back here. We're gonna look at what we gave Pilgrim's Progress. Oh well, can so you get crucified once or twice? We gave Pilgrim's Progress a one for the time he got crucified. And we gave Christiana a point five for I think I think it was more perilous for us. I think it was more perilous for us. But I'm looking at like the other like mm-hmm. philosophy ones. Right. There weren't we haven't watched too many philosophy no, movies. No, I think it's it's down I, well It's gonna be pretty low on the list. Well would you is one okay with you? One would definitely be okay with me. Alright. Uh, well if we gave Pilgrim's Progress a one, then yeah. we could we've left room for the Russian judges. Yeah. Oh yeah, I. Uh, so the other one that was on Netflix is called Kumba, and it isn't anymore. So okay. we'll have to track that one down at some point. Eh, we'll figure it out. What We're clever I, people. We have options. What kind of note did I give myself on this one? This made so little money, but apparently isn't bad. Hmm. I was prescient. There we go. It's true. Yeah, I think if you want to watch a beautiful film, you know the vignettes are definitely worth watching. Mm-hmm. I would say. And for the low, low price of you already have Netflix. There you go. Can't be beat. They might have it at the library, too. Might have it at the library, too. All right. Well, that's that. Uh, Tune in next week when we watch a different movie. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.